Welcome to episode 50 of A Politic. We are engaged in a progressive discussion of politics for people who hate politics in about five to 10 minutes. We try to keep it short and to the point. We encourage people and empower them. We're attempting to promote a transformation of our society for the benefit of everyone in the society. The goal of this podcast is to encourage voter registration and voter participation in a process of reducing the conflict and division of our society. What we're hoping to do is encourage you to get informed about the issues. Society as a whole really needs each and every one of us to vote based on making informed choices and that means really looking into the issues and not being fooled by all the misinformation available in the media. Some of it is accurate and true, some of it is not, so we have to be very careful as we analyze the information that we use to form our opinions and cast our votes. A politic pledges to give high quality information that is not biased toward a political party. We're going to look at various topics through the lenses of progressive principles as we are looking at American heroes, significant days in history, issues, policies, and programs. We want to examine these topics using real stories and real people. Again, all in relation to our progressive principles. This is part two of a two-part series where Steve and I will discuss the use of the nuclear option in unjamming Congress in the the appropriation of pandemic relief funding. President Biden has been getting a lot of press coverage on his decision-making process and his work with Congress to authorize $1.3 million in pandemic relief funding that the country needs to deal with a host of economic problems. The corporations are mixed in their support for this funding. Conservative action groups are intensely opposed to helping these people who have been suffering the most during the pandemic. Progressive action groups have been making a lot of noise, but I have not been, I have not heard in the corporate media world much of this advocacy because the more liberal corporate media is very mixed in its support for relief. They don't seem to want the most needy to get the wrong idea about whether or not they deserve relief. Also, the states and local governments have been trying to be patient in terms of their overextending their budgets to pay for first responder services and other government expenses related to the pandemic. Again, the progressive principles which are at stake in this whole situation are our principles number four and seven, which were discussed in part one of this program. Thank you for joining us, and we are looking forward to part two of our discussion. Well, here we are for episode 50 
of a politic. And in our last episode, Steve and I were talking about the history of the nuclear option. Now, first of all, let me correct myself and say that we are in the year 2021. <laughs> Thank you, Steve, for correcting no me on that point. And so what we're talking about now is the ongoing question of using the nuclear option in 2021 and beyond. So what are the issues now as far as the Senate being divided 50-50 with Kamala Harris being the vice president and casting the deciding vote? What's been going on here in 2021 with Harry, with, I'm sorry, with Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer? Well, uh, it's, it's all kind of happening uh, almost as we speak. Um, uh, the day before this particular brought, uh, recording, uh, the newly elected Senate, which was which was uh, after the Georgia election, the Senate was split 50, 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats, and um, the vice president, um, Ms. Harris, becomes the, the president of the Senate and breaks all ties, which formally made the Democrats, as of the last election, the majority party in the Senate. But what but, did Mitch McConnell want to do? Well, what Mitch McConnell wanted to do is to obviously retain as much power. He's, he's obviously no longer uh, the, you know, uh, the, um, the Senate president. Uh, and, majority uh, leader. The majority leader, I stand corrected. Um, and they were in the process of negotiating this 50-50 split and um, what did the, he want? The, what did McConnell uh, the agreement, want? The agree, what McConnell and um, uh, Schumer had, had decided was we'll go back to the fundamental agreement that was crafted in 2001 that allowed um, them to move legislation in a more judicious way um, but what, about, that, what about the committees and the committee chairman? Um, well, uh, basically, uh, uh, you know, you have to jog my memory on that. Okay. Uh, McConnell don't. wanted, he said, we're tied 50-50, so we should be able to name some of the committee chairmen and have us as the leaders of the committees. And what Schumer said was, no, we are in the majority, not you. We will name all the committee chairs. We will set up all the committees according to the ones, the people that we want on our committees. You will give the names of the people that you want on your committees, but we will have all the chairmen because we are in fact the majority. And, and basically that was hearkening back to what was originally understood in the yeah, 2001 agreement. Exactly. But what, Ms., well, what Mr. McConnell put into that equation just is the fact that he said, well, I'll agree to that, but I want you to promise me, Mr. Schumer, that you will not do away with the, the filibuster, yeah. which, which is the catch-22 in the entire equation moving forward, because if they had just a simple majority, but the power of the minority to say, we're going to filibuster that, you're back to the old uh, way of doing things, which is 
Everything slows down. Nothing moves forward until you break the filibuster. And what did and Schumer what, say And what Mr. McConnell that? wanted was, I promise from Schumer, I'll go along with what you want to do, Mr. Schumer, but I want you to promise me before I make this deal that you will keep, you will not vote to do away with the filibuster. And Schumer said, no way in the, on God's green earth. And there was a standoff, and uh, the dam broke uh, within the last 24 hours of this recording. Um, uh, Mr. McConnell said, uh, uh, I guess, uh, shouted uncle and uh, said, uh, I agree with everything, and uh, I'm not going to ask us to um, uh, keep the, the filibuster if you so decide to do away with it. Mr. Schumer has not said that he's going to do away with it, but the option still exists to do it if he so desired, and the, and the majority of the Senate agreed. Right, and, and what several Democrats said was, we're not going to just arbitrarily say that the filibuster is over. However, we are going to agree with our fellow Democrats that if the Republicans are going to try to obstruct important legislation, then we will dispense with this filibuster. And so we'll keep it if it's going to work the way it has always worked. And we'll dispense with it when you're trying to be obstructionist and stopping important legislation. So basically what they're going to do is go back, as you said, before 2000, the number of filibusters was actually pretty rare. And the, the thing that, did, you know, looking at it from, you know, 40,000 feet, the, the idea of the filibuster all the way back, you know, to the, you know, 2000, 2001, is the whole idea that when you're dealing with, you know, the idea of obstructing the people's business as a, as a, a technical uh, uh, way of, Keeping anything from happening, which is in itself um, an end, an end result. In other words, there's there's a there's a method to the madness. If we slow everything down and nothing gets done, then that's going to upset the the body politic to the point where we'll throw the bums out. Let's get some people in there that basically can do you know the the public's business. But if uh, the movers and shakers inside the Senate can use the filibuster to slow everything down that in and of itself is is the end product and who benefits from slowing the mechanics of of governance to the point where nothing gets done and you can always blame oh they did it and you need to throw the those bums out in the next election and so uh, gridlock tends to be a, a political tool that either side can utilize. Well, no, the, see, that's the thing, Steve. It wasn't either side. There's only one side that wants to stop progress. Right. Okay? That's the Republicans. Now, when it comes to passing a tax cut, they're totally fine with using 51 votes to pass a multi-trillion dollar tax cut to benefit their constituents. 
But when it comes to a pandemic relief to support, just as an example, the interests of the whole country, well, that wasn't, we didn't want to move too fast on that. And so the point is, the Senate was working fairly well up until 2000. And the Republicans, and, wait a minute, let me finish. The Republicans were willing to be reasonable up until it started about in the 90s with um, Newt Gingrich and the supposed revolution where they wanted to basically control more and more of the agenda to eliminate various government programs like Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security. And they were really starting to build up ahead of steam after 2000 on that issue. And they used the filibuster as a tool to stop everything that was taking place, except when it was something that they wanted. So go ahead. Well, well I think at the end, at the, end of, uh, the day, um, in my opinion, they should do away with the filibuster. To me, it's an undemocratic uh, tool to basically achieve a goal that you can't do with parliamentary um, action. Uh, you're really using a catch-22. You, you, you don't have the votes to stop something or pass something, so you'll use this parliamentary tool to achieve the same goal, and everybody, uh, everybody likes it as long as they're the ones that are in power. Well, one of the things I heard yesterday that I thought was very interesting, instead of requiring 60 votes for a certain thing to pass, which would allow either side, and usually it's the Republicans, to just simply say, well, we're going to filibuster, so you can't use this, and, and the Republicans didn't need to be in the Senate in order to say, well, you don't have 60 votes, so come back to us. What they're going to do is turn it around and say you have to have at least 40 votes against something before you can stop it. And so that means that everybody has to be in the room and everybody has to participate. And I agree with you. In general, the filibuster is wrong. It's antiquated as there are a number of things that are antiquated, but I think at least if they were to require people to be in there to vote against a certain thing, rather than say, well, until you have 60 votes, we don't even have to worry about it. That's that's the wrong way around. So you get the final word, Steve. Well, again, uh, you know, uh, what I hope uh, this whole discussion leads to is the idea that in our way of governance, the minority doesn't rule. Yes. But it, currently, the filibuster allows the minority to rule. Right. And uh, that, that on, on its face, in, in, in the grand scheme of things, seems to be rather an undemocratic um, way of doing business. I agree. And that we will call the end. Thank you, Steve. All right, Bill. Take care. Thank you for joining us 
for episode 50 of A Politic. As you can see, the use of legislative tools like the nuclear option can break log jams and normalize relief efforts when they are long overdue. We badly need all eligible voters to get informed on the issues like pandemic relief. We can't blindly trust the media. All we can do is a lot of cross-checking on what's being told to see if the information is consistently reliable and valid. But you must decide how we in this country will respond to the issue of clarification of our identity in our course of moving forward. Your vote determines our future. Again, I'm talking to you people who haven't been voting. That 33 to 40% who just haven't felt like taking the time and trouble to become informed on the issues and then casting your ballots. Now is vital for people to get involved in the politics and to understand and work on understanding more what the issues are. You are the ones who will control the balance of power in the United States over the next 20 to 50 years. So we look forward to seeing you at episode 51, where we'll look at the Republican Party and how they've continued to deny the outcome of November 2020 and misled millions of voters for more than two months, as well as encouraging a major assault on the Capitol building and historically attempting to disrupt the Congress in its constitutional duty to facilitate the transfer of authority from one government to the next. So thanks again for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.